0: On a Thursday, you're listening to GPB Atlanta 88.5. I'm Ricky Bevington, live in our Midtown studio with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Good morning, Mayor. Good morning. Mayor Bottoms is here to answer your questions live. Submit yours now on Facebook. Go to the GPB News Facebook page. You'll see a live video stream of the mayor and me in the studio right now. You can leave your question in the comments section on Twitter. Submit your question using hashtag questions for Keisha. And we welcome your emailed question at allatl at gpb. Dot org keep listening this hour here are some topics i will be asking the mayor about how is atlanta preserving its tree canopy the gulch redevelopment project downtown why doesn't atlanta let its bars stay open later and also i will ask the mayor if she really is an introvert mayor bottoms are you ready for those questions and more
1: I think I am.
0: (laughs) You can't see the expression on her face. But these questions are submitted by our listeners. And so it really is unbelievably diverse, the things that people want to be asking about. And audience questions really are the foundation of this conversation. Um, Over the next hour, you'll hear me build this interview around thoughtful, compelling inquiries submitted by our audience. And that really is the mission of... Uh, what we're doing here. We did this question and answer show uh, last month for the first time with the mayor. How did it go? I
1: think it went okay. Uh, I'm still mayor, so I'm going to assume <laughs> there had not been an uprising, but I thought it went well. So I'm a little more comfortable today. Hopefully, I can answer all of the questions.
0: Well, you know, you came back, so we're glad you're here. Yes.
1: Came back quickly. (laughs) Sure. It's only been been a couple of weeks. Yeah.
0: So uh, for our listeners who are still kind of getting used to what we're doing here on a month-to-month basis, and this is a monthly conversation, you're going to be coming here into the studio to answer questions for Keisha. I want to just take a moment to explain for our audience what this show is. It really is different from anything else on Atlanta radio or television right now, Questions for Keisha is a monthly in-studio conversation with guest Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. It's broadcast live on radio on GPB Atlanta 88.5 and live on video on the GPB News Facebook page. Audience members submit questions for the mayor, and I ask those. And also as a journalist, I post questions for the mayor from a reporter's perspective. It really is a mix. And my questions serve to tie the conversation together And they also allow us to press a little bit more deeply into complex issues. And we're doing this right here at Georgia Public Broadcasting, which is public radio. And what that means is that our mission is always to serve our community. And GPB's goal with questions for Keisha is to be a forum for civil dialogue and to foster inclusive participation in shaping Atlanta's future. So that is what we're doing here today. And now that we have laid the groundwork for the show, Mayor Bottoms, let's begin with our first question. We'll start with the news of the week, as we did last month. Just yesterday, you agreed to allocate $800,000 to fund a new compliance office requested by City Council. It would investigate allegations of fraud, waste, and abuse. Why are you agreeing to fund the office now?
1: This has been a part of what we've been doing for the last 18 months, and that really has been about improving ethics and transparency in the city of Atlanta. But also, it's just as important that the public know that we're working on those improvements. We've done Open Checkbook. You can go online and look at the city spending. We have a chief transparency officer in place to help with open records requests, et cetera. And this is an extension of that. So initially, We allocated $300,000 because we have a task force for public trust that's making recommendations, one, to make sure that our efforts aren't redundant, um, but also to make sure that we are doing all that we can do. So their final report will be in September. This is led by Justice Leah Sears Collins, uh, Leah Sears, I'm sorry, and former justice of the Supreme Court, chief justice. Um, But after conversations with the city council, our position initially was that we wanted to allocate some funding, but wait for the final recommendations. City council said they wanted more funding. And it's not something that we um, thought we didn't disagree with that. So if it makes city council feel more comfortable that more funding is in place, then we are okay with that. And have made that amendment to the budget. And at the end of the day, whether the funding comes this month or whether it comes in September with the final recommendations, if that's what's needed to give the public um, more assurances that we are doing all that we can do to improve ethics and transparency, then it was the right thing to do.
0: City Council asked for 1400000 million. We're at 800000 Do you anticipate fully funding it based on their request?
1: I think we need to wait based on the recommendations from the task force in September. And with our city budget, we always have the ability, it doesn't have to be done by June thirtieth. We can always go back in and amend the budget after we pass this budget to make the appropriate allocations. And so if it's one point four, if it's five million, we have the ability to go back in and amend the budget accordingly.
0: Well, we're only a couple of days from your administration actually scheduled to submit its budget to city council next week. Is that right?
1: That's right. So we have gone through the committee process. That's our internal process where we take it before the finance committee. We've made adjustments to the budget based upon impact that we've um, input we've received from city council. And then hopefully it will be passed on Monday. What we try and do now is avoid a, a lot of confusion and surprise on the day of the actual vote and have those conversations beforehand. And by all accounts, I heard uh, Councilmember Howard Shook, the chair of the Finance Committee, say yesterday that this has been a very smooth process. He's been very appreciative, and I know many other council members have as well.
0: On page 399 of the budget... We're not going to get too into the weeds today, but it is the proposal for the brand new Atlanta Department of Transportation, and it will be no one's surprise that transit and transportation and sidewalks and potholes and metal plates is a big theme that we get with audience questions. So how will the average person living in the city of Atlanta, driving or biking or walking in the city of Atlanta see and feel a difference in their transportation experience under this new Atlanta Department of Transportation that's in your fiscal 2020 budget?
1: I am so glad that this is finally happening. I've gotten feedback from some of our community leaders that this has been an ask for at least the past 15 years, and we are finally able to make it happen. And what this means is right now, transportation is housed in several departments. It's in our planning department, it's in our Renew Atlanta department, it's in our public works department. By segregating uh, the Department of Transportation, we will now have this personnel in one place dealing with nothing but transportation. How are our traffic lights synchronized? What about our our roadways and all of the things that people complain about? And this is a model that um, we are very fortunate that uh, Bloomberg Associates has been very helpful with us as consultants on this project based upon best practices across the country. And we've looked at other cities. We've looked at what's worked, what hadn't worked. And what I think that people will see is they won't now receive the runaround when they have questions about transportation. As a council member, part of my frustration was I remember having a community meeting and thinking I had the right department there to answer questions that I knew were coming, and only to find out I had the wrong representatives there. So, if as a city council member I didn't know who to call, I can only imagine what that frustration is for the public. So, I think at the end of the day, with the, this new department, there will be an ease of receiving information and. It is our hope and our plan to start seeing some relief with our traffic.
0: And uh, and the we do have a couple of questions about transit. But while we're on the topic of the budget, I wanted to get a question from obviously Atlanta Police Department is in the fiscal 2020 budget. We have a question from C. E. Reed seventy one who asks on Twitter, uh, "How about paying Atlanta Police enough that we have a waiting list
1: of qualified candidates?" We have taken taken a monumental step to improve our pay to our police officers. We've talked a lot about this historic pay increase for our officers, thirty uh, percent taking our officers at and above what's the level throughout the metro area. And what we are seeing is that other officers, in other municipalities are now struggling with where they they are with pay so it's been a domino effect and thankfully we are on the top end at this point so we will continue to align our officers we're rolling out the second phase of that pay increase but also I want to remind people that as it relates to pay for our officers We have public safety needs across the city. We are now taking a look at our fire department and where they are lined because we have, I believe, 140 vacancies in our fire department for the very same reason. So while we would like to take even bigger steps with our public safety, um, with our police officers, we have to make sure that we're looking at public safety as a whole. And now it's time for us to take a look at our fire department. And also, our 911 operators will be getting the raise. Um in this budget as well. In the twenty twenty budget. Okay. Yes.
0: Great. Well we can talk about that next month. All right. Uh, assuming it will be passed by city council. That vote is on Monday for the yes. fiscal twenty twenty budget. You were listening to questions for Keisha on GPB Atlanta eighty-eight point five. I'm Ricky Bevington with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, answering your questions live. We're gonna be right back after a short break, but stick around because I'm gonna be diving deep with the mayor into the Gulch Redevelopment Project. We'll be right back. You are listening to GPB Atlanta 88.5. I'm Ricky Bevington. Good morning. I'm live in our Midtown studio with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Mayor Bottoms is answering your questions. You can join the conversation. We are live now on Facebook at GPB News. Still to come on the show, the mayor will answer your questions about whether Atlanta should get its very own walk of fame. We do have a lot of entertainers in our city And uh, we are going to move on now to the Gulch. We have a question from a listener. I don't know how to say this. Swanclave writes on Instagram, what is the status of the Gulch development? And do you like the name Centennial Yards for the development? (laughs)
1: Two questions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to the second question, (laughs) Um, Centennial Yards, I think we could have done better, but it is what it is. And I'm sure we'll begin to embrace it. I think it's a cool name, but I think it would have been very nice to have had the public's input. But this is a private development at this point, and um, I'm excited that it's coming. And I do think it is reflective, really, of this legacy of Atlanta. We are very well known worldwide for the Centennial Olympic Games, so I'm sure I will come to embrace it as I have any number of changes in our city over the years. Um, But as it relates to where we are with the development, this was a phased development approach. There was a lot of time spent in solidifying um, the deal to even make this happen. And I'll just remind the public some of the huge wins that we were able to achieve Through this um, agreement with CIM, including a $28 million affordable housing trust fund, 20% affordable housing units, 38% women and minority participation in this project, also a 10% equity interest for women and um, minorities, which is unheard of in any private development deal Also, numerous security enhancements to the city. There'll be an APD mini precinct. There will also be a seven bay fire station. And so I think that as we look at the changes that will begin to happen, we'll also see some improvements that will immediately be felt in our communities. And hopefully you will begin to see dirt moving soon. If you ride in and around the area, you can already see where um, there's some construction happening. Um, with the old Norfolk Southern Building. And so the physical landscape is already taking place around that area.
0: And for those of you who aren't familiar with the Gulch, it is about 40 acres of what essentially looks like parking lot right next to Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It's a little bit underneath the roadway. You could miss it if you're not looking for it, but it is right in the heart of downtown. And of course, you, you listed the things that Atlanta taxpayers are getting, but tax funding is a big part of this uh, project. There is a lawsuit from a citizens group um, that is against the public funding, nearly $2 billion for the Gulch. So I want to read a tweet from someone leading that charge, Julian Binet, who tweets, when are you going to push for commercial properties in the city to pay their fair share of property tax, taking the excess burden off of homeowners that would help housing affordability?
1: Well, thank you, Julian, who served on the board of Invest Atlanta uh, with me for about a year. And I know Julian is very vocal and concerned about where we are in terms of incentives. We don't always agree, but I do appreciate his passion. And the answer to that is that we've already asked a company called Municap to take a look at our commercial values. Um, our, the Tax Digest really is driven by the Fulton County Tax Commissioner's Office, but we've taken the next step to take a look at if our commercial digest is reflective of what the values are. Municap has confirmed those values, but now we're beginning to have a conversation with our Fulton County Tax Commissioner on how we can just make sure that we are getting all that we should as a city. We know there's been a lot of conversation about residential values and adjustments accordingly, but we aren't just taking the word from the Fulton County Tax Commissioner. We are also doing our due diligence and also we will continue to work to ensure that we're receiving our proper share revenues from our commercial tax digest. And I am sure we can make that municap analysis available um, if it's requested. Is it available now or is there a date that it'll be delivered? It is already available. Okay. Um, I, I believe it's already been reviewed with city council.
0: So when you say, when city council approved the $1.9 in public tax investment in this, which I think is a $5 billion overall project, right? This is a Massive, massive development. Twenty to thirty a, years. Yeah, yeah. It's been called a, min, a mini city within downtown Atlanta. How do you how do you plan to measure if taxpayers got their one point nine billion dollars? How
1: does that work? Well, we'll be able to know it based on what we start to receive into our tax base. So. We'll have pretty um, an instant indication on whether or not it was a good investment. But I also think that people have to look at what it means, not just in terms of what we will receive back into our tax digest, but what this means for the city as a whole. We are creating connectivity between the west side of Atlanta, where Mercedes-Benz Stadium, English Avenue, Vine City are located, filling in literally the hole between downtown. So there's a connectivity piece that's happening here. Also, if you think about the number of jobs that will now be available, construction jobs, hospitality jobs, there are people who We'll have jobs in these offices, not just our white-collar workers, but also our blue-collar workers as well. And so this is what's considered to be the largest redevelopment in the city of Atlanta since the Peachtree Center development happened decades ago, and one of the largest in the southeast. And I think that you will now see an influx of workers and residents that will be unprecedented in this city's history.
0: Can you drill down a little bit for those who aren't familiar with the affordable housing aspect of the deal that you have cut with um, CIM, who's the private developer? What is that going to look like for an average Atlantan who wants to be able to afford to
1: live right downtown? So what it means is that right now we have what's called a displacement-free zone in the Vine City-English Avenue area, and this is driven in large part by legislation that I was able to sponsor as a city council member, where we are able to set money aside to offset property rising property taxes for the next 20 years. It's my hope that a portion of this $28 million affordable housing fund will go to creating other displacement-free zone areas throughout the city of Atlanta, meaning, especially for our legacy residents, That as the city redevelops and we see this growth happening in cities that we've seen in in San Francisco and New York and other areas, that people aren't pushed out, not because you may have some people whose houses are already paid for but they may not be able to pay the $10,000 a year property tax bill. It's my hope that in large part we'll be able to use this $28 million to create other displacement-free zones throughout the city. We were very intentional in not boxing ourselves in with how that $28 million could be used, so we set it aside in what's called an Affordable Housing Trust Fund. And through the input with Invest Atlanta, With our chief housing officer, Terry Lee, first time we've had one in the city, our partners also with the city uh, council will be able to best determine how to leverage this $28 million. But that's a significant part of what I hope to see happen with it.
0: We have some other development questions uh, that I want to get to in just a minute. For other neighborhoods, we've got Fort McPherson. Uh, We've got the Cascade Heights Business District. So people are tweeting in about their own neighborhoods. But um, to wrap up the Gulch, of course, it's been in the news. Earlier this year, you reached an agreement with Atlanta Public Schools on sharing tax money related to the Gulch redevelopment and other tax allocation districts. It's a complicated list of agreements. But the, the conversation right now is that APS says that it is owed $10 million by the city of Atlanta. What has been the holdup? And when will the city transfer those funds?
1: So there was a question earlier from Julian Benet, um, who is leading part of the litigation related to the Gulch. Because it is in litigation, the $10 million was a part of a final agreement with APS. We've already segregated that money into a trust fund. We are waiting from disposition from the court, so we don't disagree that we have agreed to pay APS $10 million. But what we can't do, would be very reckless for us to put taxpayers' money on the hook. If we give APS this $10 million and we lose this litigation, then we've given away $10 million that we um, aren't obligated to give away based on this litigation. It's our hope that this litigation will be resolved quickly. I think that... um, APS recognizes that. I think there's a lot of public posturing um, to try and get us to release the $10 million. But I know that their leadership, the superintendent and their attorneys are very well aware of the the complicated nature of what's happening with the litigation. So it's segregated, ready to be released when this is resolved with the courts.
0: And by segregated, you mean it's literally sitting in an escrow account. It is. Ready to go. Yes. Okay. So I'm um, uh, just looking at the time here. We're going to take a break in just a, a few minutes. And we are going to continue to talk about this. This is going to be an ongoing thing. Do we have a sense of when that litigation will be wrapped up? What's we the ho- next date?
1: We know? hope that it will be soon. Um, I, I'm very hopeful that it will be soon. But we, at this point, are at the mercy of the schedule of the courts and it's in a, it's a Fulton County Superior Fulton Court Fulton County Superior Court
0: Brian McKinney has emailed in and he wants to know about Brian asks my question is what is the status of the redevelopment of Fort McPherson and is the city working on the redevelopment and maybe remind some of our listeners what exactly Fort McPherson is
1: so Fort McPherson is a closed army base that we were fortunate enough to receive when the army made the decision to close it it is right in the heart of Atlanta on one side is the West End area. On the other side is the Oakland City area. It's um, on smack dab in the middle of two transit stations. So it is a prime location for redevelopment. Tala Perry Studios purchased a huge portion of it. He relocated his studios, which I don't have to tell you about Tala Perry Studios and, and the types of shows that he's putting out and movies that he's putting out. Phenomenal location. Uh, but now we are focusing on the redevelopment. And my commitment to Councilmember Joy Shepard was that after we were done with the Gulch negotiations, that I would give all of my effort and energy into making sure that we were moving along with the Fort Mac redevelopment. So we are continuing to talk um, with the leadership over there and also with the developer that's currently in place about what our next steps are and how we move that project along. It is a great opportunity for the city. We just have to make sure that it's done thoughtfully and that we are giving it the same care, consideration, and input that we did with the Gulch and any number of other huge redevelopment areas. It will be a game changer for this city. For the south side. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Gary and Clark emails in, or actually writes on Instagram, excuse me, G Money Clark. Uh,
1: what I are you doing? I was <laughs> wondering when I, when I was going to get a good handle. Know, All right, G handle. Money Clark. <laughs> I can
0: actually pronounce this one. G Marney Clark asks on Instagram, what are you doing to improve crime, blight, and code enforcement issues near the Cascade Heights Business District?
1: So that's my area, Cascade Heights. And what we are doing is, one, we are making sure that we have code enforcement folk in place to issue these citations. There's one big problem area in the Cascade Heights area. It's an apartment complex that we've had challenges with for a number of years. We are continuing to monitor that. But also just really making sure that we are being thoughtful about the redevelopment that's coming to the area. What we know with Cascade Heights, especially with the Beltline coming right through Beecher Hills and through Adams Park, is that there really is an opportunity For us to not only preserve that area but improve that area, Um, there's a lot of redevelopment going on in the commercial district. We located a city planning office right there at the corner of Cascade Road and Benjamin E. Mays to receive the input from the city. Um, That office will be moving shortly because it was only there for a short period of time. But we've received a lot of input from people in the community, and we are continuing to work and make sure that people are being held accountable. As far as fight the blight, we're continuing to tear down structures. And also, again, I can't stress enough the importance of our chief housing officer, not only just making sure that we are looking at affordable housing, but how do we deal with neighborhoods like Allison Court when we've torn down um, dilapidated structures and make sure that we can get those back onto the commercial roles or the public roles so that they aren't an eyesore in the community.
0: And they're generating tax revenue for the neighborhood. Yeah.
1: Absolutely.
0: Mm-hmm. We're going to stay on the development theme for the next couple of minutes. There's just so, there's so many cranes, there's so much construction happening, which is uh, why people have been asking about the tree canopy, which we're going to get to in the next break, after the next break. But let's stay on development and go back to downtown where Arthur Wasserman emails in as a 20-year resident of downtown Atlanta. It's wonderful to hear of the exciting new development projects proposed for downtown. There have, however, been A Disappointing History of False Starts. And he lists a a whole list of things that he wants to know about. But I'm going to zero in on Underground Atlanta. Anybody who's lived here for uh, any number of years knows that Underground Atlanta is continuing to try to strive to its highest potential. I think that's a good way of putting it. And Darren uh, Givens, whose tweets at ATL Urbanist, he attacks on, what have we learned about the sale of city property from the Underground Atlanta experience, and what would you do differently selling Underground Atlanta and handing it over to a private developer? And I think we should say I don't think any ground has been broken on Underground Atlanta uh, is is my understanding at this point. Maybe somebody can tweet in and correct me, but that's where we're at. We're still waiting, in other words, which is why these questions are coming in.
1: Well, it's a process, and I have been through probably every... Um, Phase of Underground Atlanta, going back to as a small child. I remember having a birthday party at Underground Atlanta. I believe it was a Farrell's ice cream there. I'm sure my mother or husband will correct me. Um, There was a wax museum. There was a pizza place. And it was a destination place for our family. And then going to the reimagining of Underground I believe it was Mayor Maynard Jackson when it opened back up, and I had an opportunity to partake in the festivities at uh, what was it Fat Fridays, Memory Lane. Here, anyway, Mayor. I love it. I'm, I'm drawing <laughs> a blank, but anyway, they had very good daiquiris, <laughs> and um, and now here we are reimagining again. And I think what people have to realize that selling property in the city or city-owned property is just one phase of the process that then the developer has to have an opportunity to do their due diligence, to make sure that they have their financing in place. And so we are continuing um, with this developer. I was actually in their offices when we did the peach drop at Underground. I know that they have a very vibrant office right there in underground and it's our hope that we'll start to see something happen soon and I think this again will be another opportunity for us to fill in these gaps in the city of Atlanta that we are creating this connectivity you'll see it with underground and then the connectivity that you are now seeing around the Georgia State Stadium and we'll also see it at the Gulch. So I just ask people to continue to be patient. And, and as it relates to what would I do differently, I try not to be a Monday morning quarterback. I was not a part of the negotiation of that deal or the transaction with the previous administration. Um, but it's my hope that things will continue to move on schedule as, as, as we hope they would when that deal was solidified by the city.
0: Thank you for answering uh, both of those questions so clearly. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Hashtag Questions for Keisha on GPB Atlanta 88.5. I'm Ricky Bavington here live in the studio with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, who is answering your questions. Coming up after the break, the mayor has some breaking news that she'll be announcing uh, regarding a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of Metro Atlanta. That's coming up next. And we're gonna get to that tree canopy, uh, several tree canopy questions that people have been writing in related to all the development um, that's been happening in the city. So hear more after this short break. You're listening to GPB Atlanta 88.5. I'm Ricky Bevington, live in our Midtown studio with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms. Mayor Bottoms is answering your questions. You can join the conversation. We are live on Facebook at GPB News. The comments section can get quite busy if you want to join in and ask the mayor a question. Still to come, the mayor answers your questions about how Atlanta is preserving its tree canopy. And here's a great one that came in just yesterday. Should there be a statue of a Vander Holyfield at the Atlanta airport. That came out of left field, but let's talk about it since Louisville just renamed its airport after Muhammad Ali. I'm just guessing that that's where that question came from. Before we get to those topics, the mayor, you have an announcement to to make. There's news today that has not yet been reported, so we're going to hear it here first. Uh, What do you have to tell us?
1: Well, thank you for allowing me to make this significant announcement. We are announcing the Men to Mentors Challenge in conjunction with our relaunch of My Brother's Keeper Initiative. Many may remember that this initiative was launched by President Obama towards the end of his term as president. And this really was what he has described as what he hoped to be his legacy to our country. And it is about improving the outcomes for young men of color. And we are very fortunate in the city of Atlanta that we received an ask From My Brother's Keeper to re-engage. Initially, those efforts were led by Fulton County and the city of Atlanta was not as engaged, but we have now jumped all in. I attended the My Brother's Keeper conference in Oakland a few months ago, and with the help of our chief equity officer, Bill Hawthorne, this is the first of many initiatives that we will see related to this. So this is the Men to Mentors Challenge. We are partnering with the Boys and Girls Club. I'm sorry, Big Sisters, Big That's Brothers and fault. Big Sisters. I'm I may sorry. have misled you when I said that no, last week. No, I'm sorry. I apologize for that. Big Brothers and Big Sisters, both great organizations, to identify 100 mentors for young men in the city of Atlanta And we have a waiting list in the city of Atlanta. Young boys, young men who raised their hands and said, I would like a mentor. And we are at least 100 short. So we are asking people to go to atlantaga.gov, atlantaga.gov backslash men to mentors challenge to sign up for an information session so you can learn how you can become a mentor and 100 men doesn't sound like a lot to me. So I am sure in true Atlanta fashion, we will exceed that 10 times over.
0: This program has been around for several years. Are you aware of why Atlanta hasn't participated yet in My Brother's Keeper?
1: Well, again, this was led by Fulton County. I'm not sure why we were not as engaged, but I think that what the Obama Foundation has recognized is that there really is a need for a relaunch across the country because with the transition of President Obama out of office, um, then I think in many ways the programmatic part of this um, really has not gotten the attention that it needed to succeed or and thrive in the way that it was envisioned. And so part of the gathering in Oakland was really a relaunching of this and to get cities energized. So we'll continue to work with Fulton County, um, but as the capital city, of this state. I think it's important that we be very visible and that we lead this effort in a way that's reflective of who we are as a city.
0: Can you tell us anything about these boys who are
1: on the wait list? What are they like? Where are they from? They are young men, young boys in in our communities, in our backyards. Um, We all know someone who's living in a single-family household or a young boy who just needs uh, the voice of a man to speak with him about things. I mean, I have my husband's in our house, and there are things that my 17-year-old just refuses to discuss with me because he says I just wouldn't understand. And you multiply that toward with the needs of our communities. And these are young men who are just saying I need, I need someone else, um, someone in my life um, who can be a mentor to me. So they are our children.
0: They're just like us as They're kids who like need us. as as much good advice as we can get, right? Absolutely. As young people, uh, we have a story. A, a story. A question that has just come in from Steve Williams, who asks, "What is going on with the Office of Resilience?"
1: The Office of Resilience is what we call our one Atlanta office. It is our office that holds our equity department um our lgbtq initiatives come out of that office it is the office that also houses our sustainability office welcoming atlanta so many important departments within our city and the chief the this one atlanta office is a new office to the city and so in many ways we're having to readjust and and really figure out exactly what this office looks like. We've undergone a reorg in conjunction with the reorganization of some other departments in my administration, but we are continuing to thrive, and the My Brother's Keeper initiative is coming out of that office. It is. So there's still great work happening in that office that will continue, and it's really leading a lot of what we're hearing on behalf of our communities. The Office of Resilience.
0: Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's get to that tree canopy, Mayor. We have actually several submissions. I'm just going to read through. Susan Todd Rake emails in, Dear Mayor Bottoms, what are you doing to control the overbuilding of apartments and condos, resulting in acres of old growth trees disappearing? And Adele Northrup also emailed in, can you do things like increase enforcement powers of Atlanta City arborist by tracking the size of Atlanta's tree canopy? And they had many more things to ask, but we're going to leave it at those two uh, summary questions.
1: So right now, we have a study to make sure that we are doing all we can do to preserve this great tree canopy that we have in the city of Atlanta. And right now, the Department of Planning is conducting public meetings to get Feedback on our tree canopy. And as I was driving home a couple of days ago down Fairburn Road, I was looking at the tree canopy on Fairburn Road. And what struck me as we've had this conversation about our tree canopy is that in many ways, in Atlanta, we take it for granted. Because there are trees all around us, and I don't think that many of us quite appreciate what it's like to live in a city that doesn't have trees, at least those of us who've been around Atlanta for any number of years. So we are very thoughtful with our Department of Planning in terms of permits that we issue. Um, what trees can be torn down. But the reality is that we are a developing city. So there will be trees that will have to come down in the name of development. But we try and be as thoughtful as we can in preserving our canopy and also making sure that we are calling upon the developers to the extent that trees have to be taken down, that other trees are planted to replace them. But We have one of the most robust tree canopies of any large city in this country. And all it takes is for you to fly over um, as you're going into Hartsville, Jackson, to see how beautiful our tree canopy is. And it's important that we continue to work with the public's help to preserve that.
0: Atlanta has historically been known as a city of trees. I believe that's how uh, it's been framed. And other cities have things, requirements like for developers to build, for every parking lot you have to build or plant, excuse me. For every parking space you have to plant a tree within 25 feet. I mean, different cities have different requirements. What does the city require in for developers who are cutting down trees to either replant or to not cut them down in the first place?
1: We are very thoughtful um, in terms of if we only allow developers to take down trees if they absolutely have to be taken down. And to the extent possible, we try and preserve that. And you'll hear the development community in large part complain um, about our preservation of trees because it doesn't always work with what they envision for their projects. But I think that people recognize that it is really our attempt to make sure that Atlanta remains this beautiful green city. And again, this is part of the reason uh, that we are getting public input. We had a series of meetings just last week, actually, to receive input on our tree canopy. But I think what people have to recognize is uh, a lot of times it feels as if you know, when people move into our city, they want to be the last ones to move into the city. (laughs) (laughs) And and development continues, and there has to be a balance with that. But if a tree is taken down, we try and make sure that a tree, another tree is planted, um, and that it may not be in the exact same place, but that we are putting in place what we need to make sure that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, we still have mature trees throughout our city.
0: Well, I'm also just going to say Atlanta is hot and we need shade, right? It's not just because it's pretty. We need trees to keep us cool.
1: We do. And as I'm sitting here with tissue sniffling, I am often reminded of um, the the number of species that we have in the city, many which I am allergic to, but it's the beauty of our city. And also, if you think about it, we someone asked a question about our Office of Resilience and Sustainability and what I've charged... That office with is speaking in terms that the that people will understand so as we talk about sustainability and resilience in our tree canopy what does it mean for the mother who has children with asthma it means that your children can breathe better it means that we have this this natural setting which helps our children be able to thrive And I think that when people look at it in terms of what it means for the health and welfare of our communities and not just the aesthetics, and I think it's a very different conversation and gives other people reason to care. Well, I will plug the
0: GPB News team. This is a story that uh, my colleagues have been following. My colleague, reporter Russ Terrell, has reported on the tree canopy and the efforts being made to preserve it. And you can find that on our website, gpbnews.org. Let's get to Evander Holyfield, Mayor, before we take another break. Uh, Producer 285 asks, How about an Evander Holyfield statue at the airport or somewhere downtown? Also an Atlanta Walk of Fame. This guy wants to celebrate our sports and celebrity uh, identity as a city. What do you think?
1: Well, I, I love the idea of a Walk of Fame. And we have been searching for a home for the statue. We have a lovely statue of Evander Holyfield. And we are searching for the right place, to put it, that will be a tribute to the legacy that he's left with our great city. He was born and raised in Atlanta and brought so much attention to our city as a world champion. So we are looking for the appropriate and fitting place for that statue. Uh, And the airport has been a part of that conversation. Uh, We've also talked about places in and around uh, downtown Atlanta, and hopefully we will be able to firm up and announce a permanent location soon.
0: And will he have a star on the future Atlanta Walk of Fame? (laughs) I love that idea.
1: And, And many may know that Zernona Clayton... Um, with the trumpet awards, does a traveling Walk of Fame? It's a really nice display, but it would be nice to have something permanent. So we'll write that on our list.
0: All right, and I'm seeing the mayor write this on her list right now. She she means it. You are listening to Questions for Keisha on GPB Atlanta 88.5. I'm Ricky Bavington with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms answering your questions live. You can join the conversation on Facebook at GPB News. Coming up after the break, the mayor answers. What I'm going to call our bonus round series of questions, it's a little bit like a grab bag, so stay tuned. You are tuned to GPB Atlanta 88.5. I'm Ricky Bevington, live in our Midtown studio with Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, answering your questions. Join the conversation now on Facebook at GPB News. In the final roughly six minutes of this show is when we turn to audience questions that are not about public policy, but they're about who you are, Mayor, as a leader, as a person. And I'm going to take the first question in this round. I read in Atlanta Magazine that you are an introvert. So I wanted to ask you, how do you balance being introverted
1: with having an incredibly public job? Well, and this is something that I have learned about myself, that I am an introvert who mask as an extrovert. I'd much rather be somewhere in a corner reading a book than be out and about. And it's not that I'm not social and not outgoing, but I'm just much more comfortable in a nice quiet corner by myself. And how I balance that is that I just, I, I have to remember that this is what's called of me. And I try not to get so deep into myself that I, I withdraw and, what, and when you're running for public office and when you're in elected office, people feel very free to give you a lot of feedback. I and, bet. And um, part of the feedback that I received in running for office is that sometimes when I walked into a room, I seemed very closed off and antisocial. And I think, as, as with any number of people, you get in your own head. And so I just try and be mindful of that, that I... We'll have plenty of time to sit in my corner and read a book, but what's called of me is to be much more more open, which I am in my head. It just doesn't always come off that way, so I try and be mindful of that. I'm an introvert, too, which is why I wanted to ask you that question. And which, and so I'm sure you can attest to us sitting here together is wonderful. Perfect. Just the two of us Perfect. chit-chatting <laughs> to, to the whole world, but it's just the two of us in here. This is our sweet spot. I, I was
0: saying to some extroverts at a party, a bachelorette party, and they said, oh, I think I'm introvert. I said, you would know if you were introverted. There's no, I, you know, I mean, everybody has a little bit, but I said, there's, there's, it's truly, there's just no question when you are really primarily an introverted, an introverted person. So, I saw um, a real
1: cool <laughs> social media feed on things that introverts think. <laughs> So
0: it's really funny. <laughs> There's some great memes about <laughs> introverts and extroverts, but it takes all kinds. So uh, on Instagram, no Mercedes just Benz asks. That's, that might be the best handle yet. <laughs> I want to retire from the service and walk the mayor or governor path. What is your advice?
1: Oh, wow. I think that it is fantastic to have... People thinking about public service because so many people run away from the thought of public service. I think it's just about being involved and being authentic, bringing to the table who you are. You look at the diversity of presidential candidates that we have and everyone brings their background to the table. And I think what people appreciate most of all is when people bring their authentic experience. So just pay attention, stay updated on what's happening um, in the city and in, in the state and just bring who you are to the table and be, be prepared to have your entire life picked apart. I bet. <laughs> well, it's actually funny.
0: That really tees up my final question quickly. Melissa Pa 1123 asks on Instagram, will you be posting cooking videos this Thanksgiving holiday? <laughs> Speaking of being authentic.
1: I was cooking the other day, and my eight-year-old son said, Mommy, please don't post anything. He didn't want to have to deal with social media. I don't know. I actually thought about it the other day, and I laughed at myself, and I said, the public doesn't deserve to see what I'm cooking this Thanksgiving. (laughs) But I don't know. I I think that I will likely um, use a great filter on my mac and cheese this time. The
0: mac and cheese. Well, it looked delicious to me, but uh, you have a couple of months to decide. Maybe take a family vote in the Bottoms household.
1: Exactly.
0: Right. That is all the time we have for this month's edition of Questions for Keisha. Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, thank you for answering our questions today.
1: Well, thank you for having me again. This is great. It keeps me on my toes. So thank you.
0: And thanks to you, our listening and viewing audience, questions you submit to the mayor continue to be thoughtful, creative, compelling, fun. I've been having a blast just scrolling through all of the ideas that you are submitting that you want to ask the mayor about. I only wish that we could get to all of them. Credits for today's show go to producer Sophia Salaby, engineers Jesse Neiswanger, Deborah Gilbert, Alex Ward, Carrie Harrison, programming managers Ellen Reinhart and Tom Barclay. Sarah Shariari is our managing editor, and our chief content officer is Allison Hashimoto. We will be back next month with another hour of Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms answering your questions live here on GPB Atlanta 88.5. You can continue to submit your questions throughout the next couple of weeks. We don't have to wait until the mayor's back in the studio. Use the hashtag on Twitter, questions for Keisha. The email address is allatl at gpb.org.